video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and Raising Equity on YouTube. Hey folks, I'm Dr. Kira Banks, and on today's episode of Raising Equity, I want to share what I've actually shared before, our Raising Equity Nerds framework, but in the context of the recent racialized violence that we've seen in Buffalo, in uh, Dallas, in California, at Laguna, was it Laguna Woods? I want us to be really clear that anti-Black and anti-Asian racism are prominent and Rather than hide and hope it's not happening and wish it weren't the case, we need to be willing to name what's happening for our children. And we have explicit evidence, given the shooter in the Buffalo incident, that white supremacy ideology is at the root of what drove him to engage in this violent, violent crime. And I want to be clear that with Raising Equity Nerds, we think about the age of the children. And so I'm not saying that we need to necessarily talk about mass shootings with our three-year-olds, but I do want to be clear that if your children have access to TikTok, to YouTube, if they're watching the news, they've probably seen coverage. And so you want to think about how to adjust the narrative for their age group. And so I'll talk a little bit about the framework and then give some ideas around how you might adjust that. Raising equity nerds means that we in name the systems that are at play. We want to think about how we can name explicitly white supremacy ideology, anti-racism, anti-blackness, anti-Asian sentiment. We want to talk about the history by then E, educating ourselves. What's the history behind these dynamics in our country, right? Anti-Asian sentiment has gotten a lot of mainstream attention in the last year or so, but it's been around for centuries in our country. And whether it's the Chinese Exclusion Act or Japanese internment, they're major flashpoints where we saw anti-Asian racism prominent in our country by the policies we we created and enacted. But it's been a sentiment that has been a thread in our country. So it's not new. While we are seeing it anew in terms of like the focus in the news, it's important to understand the history of it. Anti-Black racism, to understand that history of chattel slavery in our country and the way in which we dehumanize Black folks, not only in not calling them full human beings, but through chattel slavery, through Jim Crow, through other ways in which we disenfranchise them, to learn that history, to not shy away from that so that young people understand this is not just a group of people being dramatic, that there's a long history here. And white supremacy ideology really is at the root of it in the sense that there is an ideology of whiteness being supreme, whiteness being better than. And I think too often people are scared of the term white supremacy because they only think of it in the context of violence, of KKK, of white nationalists. And to be totally honest, it is a ideology that fuels that hate, but it's an ideology that can shape how we see what is beautiful and our norms and our expectations. Uh, if we think about whiteness as supreme, we might think about even how we we default to thinking about things that are flesh tone as being white skin or peach flesh tone. Now, in recent years, we have seen an expansion of, of melanated products, whether it's th- through nude lipsticks or Band-Aids or a multicultural Crayola crayon box, right? We've seen an expansion. And 
And that is in response to a long history of seeing whiteness as supreme, whiteness as better, whiteness as superior. And that is, in its essence, what white supremacy ideology suggests. Now, we've heard, in particular, this idea of replacement theory, that white people are being replaced, that they're under attack, that, that in some way they're, they're threatened is a is a an ideology that's being fed to a lot of white people, not just young white boys, but they are often being preyed on in virtual spaces, whether it's Reddit or other sorts of spaces where they're being shared faulty data, faulty data, inaccurate information uh, that creates this idea, this fear, and this violence that white people are under attack. And so that replacement theory, there's a number of articles that you've probably read, and if not, Google it. Um, the ADL has a nice summary of not only the way in which that theory has been used to attack Black folks most recently, but that it's also anti-Semitic. And so I want us to e educate ourselves about the backstory, fill in the gaps, and when you're working and talking to a child learn alongside them. Don't feel like you have to know everything, especially if they're an adolescent. They can do some of this research and then you all, you all or two can come together to teach each other. You know, if they're younger, if they're young elementary age, you can simply talk about how there's been a history of us being mean or cruel um, or unfair to folks of color, to black people in particular, or to Asian people in particular. If you're talking about a specific incident, don't be scared to name the group that was targeted and to say, we don't believe in that unfair treatment, but we have a history of doing that. There's been a pattern of that in our country. And so we want to be willing to know about that pattern so we can interrupt it. So you can be very general, but as they get older, you want to get more specific and help them learn maybe the laws or the policies or some of the incidents that, uh, that have been a part of the pattern. Because you, again, want them to understand that this is not an anomaly. And I think that is something that, as adults, we struggle with. We want to have this, this lone wolf framing. Like, oh, this person, we want to have a story and a narrative why this particular person engaged in this horrific act. And that's where this next letter, R, reframe from the individual to the systemic is really important because we want to reframe the incident that is bringing us to this conversation, the current event that's causing us to have the discussion, as not just an anomaly, a one-off act, but to see it in the larger pattern, right, in the context of those systems that we named in the end, and to start to realize that there's a pattern, to be curious about that pattern, and to be thoughtful about how this incident fits in that pattern, what I like to call the built landscape, how it, it fits in the world and, and the dynamics that we've built up around us so that we can de-dream up solutions. So we cannot, cannot, I repeat, cannot solve for what happened in Buffalo, what happened in Laguna Woods, what happened in any place where we saw racialized violence. We can't solve for it simply by being reactive to the moment because the moment is past and it's tragic. And yes, we should be lifting up the names of the victims, but we also need to understand the larger dynamics, the systemic dynamics, the pattern, what's happening in our built landscape to be able to accurately dream up solutions. 
So if our only way to solve for it is to help this one individual, we miss the opportunity to understand the built landscape to potentially interrupt the next incident. So we want to dream up solutions that take into consideration the built landscape. So if we understand not just what this one person wrote in their manifesto, but where are they getting this information? What's feeding them these false narratives? What's the source of this data? And we understand that this is not a one-off, that this is in a way a concerted effort to, to feed and fuel this ideology. Well, then we can think about, okay, what would it mean to actively counter that ideology? Maybe we even think about how we put pressure on different social media um, entities to make sure that Dis misinformation and distorted information is not allowed to be shared. Like we can think about all different ways that we might act. But I think it's really important, especially if you have a kid who's a little bit older and who is on social media, has their own presence in some way, for them to think about what would it, what would it mean to, to, to solve for what is happening. And they might say, well, Maybe we come up with a TikTok campaign and we have TikToks that in bite-sized ways counter the narrative of replacement theory or counter the narrative of white supremacy. And we get creative in the same way that, that folks who are fueling this theory are getting creative and using virtual spaces. Maybe we do that as well. Um, we could think about, as I said, a campaign to really push the different social media entities to, to engage in more of a uh, review of the information that's being put out and that's being shared. Honestly, we need to be willing to think outside the box. And sometimes kids will come up with solutions that as adults, we're quick to say, oh, that won't work because, or we tried this over here and this didn't work for this reason. We've got to be willing to dream. So we can't spend all of our time, all of our time only talking about what needs to be changed in the system for the sake of complaining, we also need to be thinking about the system for the sake of building what we want, not just talking about what we don't want. And that can be a tough shift, but it's an important one so that we then know how to S start to act. And so that S, when I first developed this, this acronym, I uh, had Raising Equity Nerds and the S was just there to be plural. And there was a middle school teacher, principal actually, who started doing this with one of her teachers and a, a kind of a community engaged class. And the kids, they were starting, they were learning about food deserts and they were dreaming up solutions of how they can contribute to, to minimizing the, the food deserts in their area. And they said, well, we need an S. And I thought, well, once you dream up solutions, of course you're going to act. But they're like, no, 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 we need to capture that. And so the S, I want to just call out the students, uh, the middle schoolers who came up with this addition is start to act. So we need to think about what's the next smallest possible step that we can take that will move us towards those solutions that we dreamed up. And that's where we have to think about activating ourselves. What is our sphere of influence? And you might say, well, they're just kids. Kids can be active participants in, in social justice movements. We've seen it throughout history. It's not news and it's not putting a burden on them 
Oftentimes they are on fire and have energy that we as adults do not. They have the zest for life, the energy, the creativity, the innovation. Uh, they have energy and we should be thinking about how they can turn that energy towards social change. So it's important to raise equity nerds, to be willing to help them analyze, name the systems, educate themselves about the background, reframe it from individual to system, de-dream up solutions and start to act. It's important to raise these equity nerds so that they can be the change that we want to see in the world. That if we simply take the perspective, oh, oh, th those people will die off. I really hope that sadly, if you got anything from the recent incidents that we've had, not just in Buffalo, but the racialized violence that we've seen across the board in our country, that you'll realize it's often young people who perpetrate these violent crimes. So those people, we often think of old people with old ideas dying off, are teaching a new generation. So we have to be proactive in raising equity nerds because those people aren't just going to die off. Those people are going to teach their kids. So we need to teach our kids to be able to see, name, interrupt systems of oppression and be change agents. I wanted to offer this just as an addition to all the, all the great chatter that's happening around what do we do? How do we, how do we understand what's happening? And I say that from a perspective of there is a conversation that's happening about what do we do systemically, not just how do we write away this story? How do we create a narrative about this being a one-off and try to calm our fears, but really how do we connect the dots and get real with ourselves about what we need to do to create a counter narrative to what young people are being fed in some of these really dark, dark spaces. And they're vulnerable. They're young people. And so we need to make sure we give them the tools and the strategies to be able to analyze and understand. I hope it gave you some food for thought, things to think about. Let me know how your conversations are going with your kids. I checked in with my kids. Was there a conversation at school? What did you hear? One of them watches uh, like the CNN 10 minute uh, summary of news. And he said, well, yeah, we, it was in that summary, but there was no conversation about it. So ask your kids how it's being framed, what's being discussed at school, whether it's through their teachers or their kids, be engaged. Because if they're of age to have social media or to even be watching YouTube, they hear about the, the latest headline and the news stories. So be a part of what they're understanding so that you can help them make meaning. Thanks for joining me on Raising Equity. I hope that you follow me on my socials. I'm Dr. Kira Banks on Instagram and Facebook, Kira Banks on Twitter. I'll see you next time on Raising Equity. Raising Equity.